Have you ever wondered who is doing the research that will impact your future? The Research Podcast lets you meet those people and learn how the University of Kentucky is exploring and strengthening our understanding of the world through research and discovery. Here's Alicia Gregory, Director of Research Communications. Today we'll meet John Craddock. He works at the UK Center for Applied Energy Research, and he's taken on a new role in the Office of Sponsored Projects Administration. His job is to help UK investigators navigate export-controlled research. I came in with a chemistry degree from Georgetown College. I pursued my graduate degree here at the University of Kentucky in chemistry. Once upon graduation, I started working at the Center for Applied Energy Research under Matt Weisenberger. I quickly realized that we were heavily involved in doing DOD-sponsored research, and we were in compliance, but no one really understood the export control laws. So then I was tasked with learning a little bit more about export controls and how it applies to university research, and I took several months of, of training and courses and have since sort of developed a, a technical know-how in the area. And uh, since then, I've been working with OSPA, Office of Sponsored Projects Administration here at UK, to sort of help the university go towards a direction where PIs are comfortable chasing and pursuing export-controlled research. This is just items and materials and technologies that our government feels are sensitive enough that there need to be some kind of laws in place to prevent it getting in the wrong hands. So let's talk a little bit first about what are the U.S. export control laws. So in general, the laws are federal regulations which control the export of certain technologies, products, and information for strategic reasons, um, such as national security and economic vitality of our country. So what is technically an export? Traditionally, one thinks of an export as a physical export, where you're actually putting a good or an item in a box and mailing it somewhere. And for export control laws to really apply in that instance, it's commonly done where a shipment out of the country, where it actually crosses and exits the, uh, the U.S. borders. More applicable to the university setting is what's known as a deemed export. And this is a, a little bit of a misnomer, it seems, in that a deemed export actually happens within the borders of the United States. So uh, it is an export to a, a foreign national within the U.S. Commonly can happen by a site visit, letting them tour your facility, visual inspection of, of, of a controlled item, um, that is an export to the country of their citizenship, the same as if you mailed something to that country. So that's, you can imagine, slightly problematic at a university setting, requires extra sort of controls and, you know, a few locks on doors. And it's not impossible. It's not hard to do. You just have to be aware and, you know, due diligence is critical. So how do export control laws affect research at the university level? Okay, so these export control laws were written at a time when they were written for industry and large commerce. However... We have learned that they do apply to university, and specifically they apply to university research projects, is most commonly how you're going to encounter them here. And if they do apply to, to a research project, there are oftentimes two restrictions that make these laws applicable to the university. The first of which is there will be some kind of language about restrictions on publications of your work, or the results of your research, that oftentimes sort of diverts it to a, a controlled project. And also there'll be restrictions on the nationalities of the participants in the project. So if you have one or both or, or a combo of the two of those restrictions, it by default is now an export control project and you will need to take the proper uh, path to ensure compliance. So there are different kinds of regulations on this. There's the international traffic and arms regulation and then there's export administration regulations. Talk about the difference between those two and why, why are there two categories? 
The International Traffic and Arms Regulations are commonly known as, referred to as ITAR. It is a set of regulations administered by the Department of State, primarily controls uh, what they call defense articles or defense services, mainly military or space or weapons related items and technologies. It's a much more narrower list that it controls, but it is uh, it's heavily centered about defense. <clears throat> and the items that are controlled fall on the United States Munitions List or the USML. And EAR is, stands for the Export Administration Regulations. These are also a set of federal regulations, but they're administered instead of by the Department of State. They come from the Department of Commerce. And as you might imagine from the name Commerce, it controls a, a much larger range of items. It also controls things that are what is known as dual-use items, or an item that may have a civilian and a military end use. This has what's called the CCL, or the Commerce Control List, where it details out each item or technology and tells you to which countries you need a, to apply for a license if you want foreign nationals to work on these projects. And that specifically affects us here at the university. So how does a PI find out if they're involved in controlled research? Initially, I'm asking that all PIs sort of contact me. If they think that they're, they may be involved in controlled research, um, I will sit down with them, we'll review their technologies and their types of research, and we can go to these lists, the USML and the CCL, and literally just look them up. And then from there, we'll have a good feel for moving forward, plans we need to put in place to ensure compliance. And when they're applying for grants, that's usually spelled out in the proposal. That's right. A lot of times you'll see it in, uh, in the solicitation. You'll see it. Um, it can be very general language. We're working with those in OSPA to also key in on this language now, and we can sit in, meet with the PIs early, even at the proposal stage. And then again, you, you can see modified language or additional language once awarded in the actual award language. So just because this is or is not in the solicitation does not mean it's going to be or not be in the actual award language. So it just you can become cognizant that it, it may or may not apply based on the language in the solicitation. Describe for me a little bit further your role within OSPA and how you're going to help PIs. Currently, I'm working with all the research administrators, the college grants officers within OSPA who reach out to all the colleges. When they see language comes in and their proposals, because they see all the proposals that go out, um, I'm being contacted and they will, they will bring me in if they think export controls may apply or if it specifically calls out export controls within the solicitation. And then from there, I, will, I can contact the PI to set, have a you know, one-on-one sit-down meeting to go through the specific regulations and how it applies to this particular project. And overall, we're trying to raise awareness across campus. That's been our, our main goal. So what is the fundamental research exemption? A lot of universities fall under this fundamental research exemption. Universities are, are tasked with, do they or do they not want to pursue export-controlled research? There are some that simply don't. Fundamental research is, by definition, basic and applied research in science and engineering where the resulting information is ordinarily published and shared broadly within the scientific community. The techniques used during the research are normally publicly available or are part of the published information. So that's the definition. Most of the university's research, probably 99%, is fundamental. However, those two clauses that we've mentioned that can kick it out of the fundamental research exemption are if you accept restrictions on foreign nationals or and or restrict accept restrictions on publication of your, of your data. And if you do, it no longer is fundamental, which means export control laws do apply, and you need to develop the next topic we'll talk about is a technology control plan. Technology control plans are a map that details how the personnel involved in the project will comply and ensure that there is no unintended release or disclosure of the data or the items or the technology to 
foreign nationals without proper government approval. And that the technology control plan should exist for each individual project and should detail out who is being paid on the project, those that are working on it. And above all, everyone that is working on it needs to be aware of the TCP, technology control plan, and uh, be aware of how to, how to comply. Commonly, you'll address uh, physical storage of lab notebooks and papers and any kind of items that may be generated during this, as well as uh, data security, password-protected computers, password-protected uh, jump drives. Please don't use you know, external Yahoo, Gmail servers. Try to keep it all within UK. But yeah, that's all spelled out in, the, in TCP, and it will be different for each project. Why has the university chosen to kind of focus in on this area? The university traditionally has been a fundamental research institution. We are now opening it up and allowing PIs to pursue funding that is export controlled. And not only can they pursue it, but we now have a plan in place for once we do get awarded, we can help the PIs to be in compliance so they don't have to worry about uh, any of the legal issues that may come along with it. I think there's a stigma that comes with export controlled research and that it's, it's scary or dangerous. And it's, it's really not, and we want to get that message out because there's a lot of DOD funding out there that the university can get heavily involved with. The unknown is scary. And when people don't know what export control laws, there's a lot of mix up between export controlled research and secure and classified research. That's very common. And they are very different. Um, this is sort of the, the bottom level regulations and laws for export control laws. And you don't have to have secure facilities like or classified clearance like you do at some other, and some universities do take part in this research, but that's not what we're doing here at the University of Kentucky. Looking forward, where do you see this kind of support helping PIs in terms of getting more grants in some of these areas? I think the biggest impact will be once awareness is there, folks that potentially may have been avoiding, I don't know, DOD, NASA funding will begin to explore. And there are a lot of solicitations out there having been in this area for eight years now. Um, there's a lot of opportunities to bring in new and novel research university and really exploit some of the really nice facilities and, and staff we have here at, at UK. So I think it'll, it'll open up doors towards funding that they may not have pursued in the past by feeling confident and comfortable that we have a plan in place to comply. Thank you for listening to the Research Podcast. To subscribe to our podcasts on SoundCloud or iTunes, search University of Kentucky Research Media and visit our site, reveal.uky.edu.